Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Transmission 4 of the Liberate Yourself podcast, where we are remembering our personal sovereignty in these transitional times. In this episode, I have a lively chat with astrologer Deborah Norton, who is based in Portland, Oregon. Deb is both informative and fun with her approach to the science of astrology. And we talk about how you can discover your superpowers through your natal chart, the mythology and importance of the dwarf planet Eris, and how the Uranus and Taurus transit can possibly reshape the planet as we know it. This podcast is supported by contributions made through Patreon. Patrons of the Liberate Yourself podcast receive access to a digital esoteric library of practical resources for your journey, as well as monthly astro and tarot readings from me. To find out more and join the community, go to patreon.com slash liberate yourself. And now, enjoy this fun astro chat with Deborah. Hey, Deb, how's it going? Hi, Trista. Thanks for joining me today. So, um, Deb and I actually met at the NORWAC conference, the Northwest Astrological Conference, and we realized we are both astrologers and also both lavender hair twins, which is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Very important. (laughs) Right? But, um, and we've talked a little bit since then. I really, really appreciate her approach to astrology. Um, Part of that is what's called evolutionary astrology, which is um, more of like approaching astrology as the soul's evolution through time and through this lifetime, sort of like, a roadmap that's given to how your soul wants to evolve in this life, which I find really helpful. Um, but yeah, Deb, can you just explain a little bit about your background and sort of how you approach astrology and why you love it so much? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So uh, I became interested in astrology the first time I read a, a horoscope, you know, mm-hmm. it, when I was a kid. I I thought it was fascinating. And I think that there's a natural... Um, need in people to sort of understand themselves from a young age, like that we come in without knowing anything. We're just kind of out here, helpless, crying, mm-hmm. naked, wet. We don't have a clue. We, we have no idea what's going on. And so from an early age, I was very, very interested in that puzzle. And I wanted to figure it out. And, um, and so astrology was just one of those extra things that you, but it, you know, I didn't really know what it was. And I went through several religions and a couple cults and trying to figure out like what is going on. Yeah. What's going on? Why are we here? Why still, am I here? You know, yeah. I'm still there, but I'm still working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I was fatigued from all of the religion, religion, um, I started my way towards paganism. Mm-hmm. That was one I hadn't tried yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so. I, uh, in this group, I met um, a wonderful, amazing master astrologer. Um, his name was Eddie Gutierrez, or is Eddie Gutierrez. He has passed on. Um, and I always give him credit because he was the person who really planted all the seeds and sat with me in my living room for a couple years in regular you know, tutoring sessions and taught me everything he knew. 
And so I really hold that sacred and the way that he approached astrology is very much the way I do. Um, and so I always want to give him credit for that um, because I approach it from a very like real sort of skeptic, you know, position mm -hmm. of like, let's see if this works. Let's perform all these experiments, meaning readings right. and see how it works for people. And so I started giving readings for free, you know, at parties. Because mm -hmm. I'm a little bit socially awkward, and so I found that if, if, if there was a lull in the conversation, and being a cancer, I'm always trying to, like, meet the needs, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, oh, people are uncomfortable. Oh, I better say something. Uh -huh. And so I said, hey, I can read astrology if anybody wants a reading. And so yep. that thus began my, um, you know, my, my experience doing readings. For the next 10 years, I did them that way. Wow, yeah. Um, and then I was at a crossroads. Um, I moved to Portland. I was entering my midlife transits. So I was in my late 30s. And I was really feeling lost. And I found the Portland School of Astrology. And it had just opened that year. So it really did feel like it appeared. It lined up, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I became, uh, I, went, I, you know, I got involved and uh, graduated with the first cohort and then I did the second year and and uh, um, it was a lot uh, it really sort of brought everything out for me and 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 in a way that I didn't have confidence before I took those you know courses because I was thinking who am I to charge money for this thing that I don't even know is real mm -hmm. and that is a sort of awkward place to be especially with your integrity and so I finally felt like legitimate you know <laughs> that yeah. I you know, and encouraged by the teachers and the other students. I, I was very encouraged. So I started doing readings um, professionally, and that was about three years ago. Nice. And my approach is, um, and what I tell all my clients is, you know, I don't, we have no idea how this works, but my theory is that we are souls evolving towards something. We don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think of it as evolving up so much as just mm -hmm. evolving sideways in a way. True. Um, I'm yeah. not into hierarchy, so I don't like to say that mm -hmm. one soul is more advanced than another. You just are where you are, mm -hmm. and you know, there's no, there's no, you know, the more, you know, old soul, young soul. I think I don't get into that because I think we're mm -hmm. all the same. We all came from the same stuff, so we're all the same age, really. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we uh, are on this path, on this journey, and Earth is a stop on that journey. Totally. And perhaps many stops, you know, but I feel like there's probably other planets and, and other life forms that we have been. And oh, yeah. this particular one here, I think, is kind of like graduate level because we don't get to know what, what we don't get to know anything. You know, we don't yeah, get to know. and we're, we're dropped into this like super dense energy that we have to work through that is painful it it's is so, so painful yes. to especially if you're a seeker and you feel like you know there's something more it's it is and you know you're coming from somewhere you know that this isn't the first go round you know what i mean yeah like, well we come in with things you know like mm -hmm. i was afraid of water i would mm -hmm. not you know my my parents had to really pretty much torture me to get me to, to even attempt to swim Mm -hmm. um, they would throw me in and I would, you know, I remember taking swimming lessons and there was this big gutter around the inside of the pool. It was like an Olympic sized pool. And I would get into the gutter and hide. In the yeah. Gutter. Like I, this is crazy. All the and that's strange for a cancer son too. Fun and I'm like terrified. So, yeah. So, um, so anyway, we definitely come in with stuff. So it had mm -hmm. to come from somewhere. Um, and so I 
I call the natal chart a map, mm -hmm. you know, or a blueprint. Um, I've even called it a cheat sheet. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I really feel like it's the only thing that we have. We know when we were born into this universe, taking our first breath of life in that moment is a constant. It's a fixed point in time and space that we, mm -hmm. we you know, landed mm -hmm. here. And so I feel like that is really the only thing we have to go on. And then you put that, you know, in the lens of astrology and then you sort of start thinking, okay, these are the energies that are out here surrounding us on this, you know, floating yeah, orb. An yeah, archetypal and, language that is yeah, ancient and, and yeah, and it's, you know, 4,000 years old. So mm -hmm. like, this is the first thing anybody ever figured out. Yeah, they looked up and they saw looked at the sky. Sky, yeah, they saw stars and they figured Certain it out. Certain things were happening said, yeah, yeah, on the earth. Yeah, they measure behaviors against different times of the year and all of that. You know, created astrology as we know it today. Mm -hmm. And so I do think of it as something we left for ourselves. Our higher self left it for us to say, "Here, here's something." I yes. know you're going in there with nothing, but here is mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And um, and I do think, as you said, that the that this is a very dense. Mm -hmm. planet like we there's not you know very little comes in and out through all of the layers you know of energy mm -hmm. that surround us and so um and so then when i so basically you know i think that it i don't think it's going to tell you who you're going to be you know right. what you're going to do but it definitely tells you you know what you're made of mm -hmm. and what those energies running through you are and what you how, have to work with yeah yeah well, i love that yeah what you have mm -hmm. to work with and and so I take the highest honor to uh, assist people on that journey of self-discovery. And, you know, I tell my clients, I speak language. It's astrology. Here's symbols. I show them the chart. You know, there's all kinds of layers here. You know, it's all about patterns. Yeah. And so I just sit there with them and we start to pull apart the patterns and try to figure them out and place them in context in their own life. Like I always go back to the Saturn return. I look mm -hmm. in my ephemeris, I say that, you know, what were you doing exactly in this period of time? And then we yeah. start to unravel it like a detective, you know, and it's fun. And it's people really just fun. light up because I don't necessarily think that an astrologer should just be talking at you and saying, this mm -hmm. is what you are. Like nobody can tell you what you are, but I can help. Like I can give you keywords and I can, ex you know, explain energies that conflict with each other, you know, and when there's squares and, Mm -hmm. you know, and how things work well together when there's a trine, you know, and it, and it works and they start to understand it. And that's what I really want because ultimately mm -hmm. I'd rather teach people to read their own charts than to yeah. read their chart for them. Absolutely. And it's really, um, on the client side too, it's really validating. I don't think I've felt more validated and confident than hearing about the energies that even if they're very severe or serious, like just hearing that, that is a very real energy that's at work within me and moving through me makes so much sense into to any client. It just makes so much sense. Um, the validation of it and why you are a certain way. And then you can kind of work with it instead of trying to shun it or work against it or try to change it. Like you have to, from a client perspective, it's very um, comforting to know that you don't have to change it. You just yes. kind of, work it into the most benevolent expression of that energy. Absolutely. You know, powerful expression. I mean, to watch people make those connections with themselves, that is the, the biggest rush for me as an astrologer because typically what we find, and I, it, you know, I used to think it was only older folks, but really it's anyone I've done readings for, 
they are doing it. They're doing yeah. it pretty well for the most part. And so to look at them and say, yeah, you know, there's this part of you that's really brave and courageous and will like stick their neck out and perhaps to their own, you know, um, their own expense, you know, mm -hmm. and yet there's this other part of you that wants to stay home and stay comfortable and watch TV with your, with your pets. And for people who are doing both of those things, they tend to think that that's only, it should be one or the other. Right. Like they have to pick between these two very strong parts of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I get to tell them, no, you get to do both of them. And yeah. they both need to be expressed. So, you know, your moon in Taurus needs to be home, needs mm -hmm. to be comfortable, needs to be with the pets and under the blanket, you know? And, and then that, you know, Aries Mars needs to be out there bungee jumping or, you know, at a protest, you know, yep. putting their neck out in front of, you know, you know, police and all of that. And mm -hmm. you can be both of those things. And people get really excited about that because yeah. they suddenly realize, oh, it's all of me. I'm not fighting against myself yeah. here. Um, and most people are doing really well. And I basically here to say like, carry on, like you're doing yeah. well now, now be, but now you can move on consciously. Now mm -hmm. you can start to see yourself consciously in all, all parts of yourself and mm -hmm. move forward as a whole person. And, um, and you know, a lot of us think that, especially in our, in our society mm -hmm. that, um, we're, we, we're not good enough or we're not mm -hmm. where we should be by now. Like capitalism is so part of how we're, we think yeah. that we don't realize with that, that lack mentality. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And we're always comparing ourselves and, what I love to tell clients is, you know, guess what? What if you're getting it right all along? Yeah. <laughs> what if you haven't screwed up? What if, what if you've been right all along? What if you've just been learning really good lessons? Yeah. yeah. That and it's you wouldn't know otherwise. Like I literally see mm -hmm. like this big weight lifted off them and it's like, yeah, you know, you're doing great. And mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and then if you work further with a client, then you can really start to dig into patterns. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Looking at patterns and understanding. I don't necessarily think we need to break all of our patterns. I think that patterns mm -hmm. are there for a reason, but sometimes we're doing those patterns unconsciously. Right. It's about rec we, pattern recognition, recognizing right. them and working um, in a flow with them instead of it being more discordant and not making any yeah, sense. Yeah. And in that sense of what's happening to me, other than yeah. this is what, you know, this is how I'm evolving as a, as an energy, basically. Yeah, it gives you power. Yeah, like, totally. Truth, truth I mean, my, power. my sort of secret sauce in the way that I approach astrology is that we all have superpowers. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that. I've seen it. I have. I have them, too. And yeah. once I started looking at certain aspects of myself, and they're usually the aspects that don't fit into society, that you yeah. look at and think that's something wrong with you. Like I'm ultra sensitive, you know, empathic, you know, so I must be weak, you know, mm -hmm. or I must be, I'm too sensitive, you know, all of that stuff is crap because mm -hmm. my sensitivities are a superpower and I use them and I see how they change energy. They transform energy. And that's really what a superpower is. And we right. all have that, all of us. And, right. and I love, I love to see people's faces when I say that's your superpower. And yeah, it's amazing. I love that part of it. I know you definitely helped me a lot when you, when you gave me a reading, like just lots of like confidence and validation. Cause even when you, even if you're, you know, delineating your own chart and interpreting it on your own, um, 
it still helps to have an outside perspective or an objective perspective that can act as a mirror, you know, and yeah. show you what you can't see yourself subjectively. So, yeah. And I'm, you know, I definitely am not just a cheerleader. Like I'll definitely bring up issues that I'm not afraid to go totally into the dark. Like, right. I'll go all the way down the Pluto bill with, with anyone. And yeah. sometimes that happens immediately. Um, I have a client that I've been working with for a couple of years and I looked at her chart before I met her and she's Scorpio rising with moon and Neptune on the ascendant, like conjunct. Wow. And wow. I knew right away I was, I was super excited. I was like, yeah, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, um, I have Jupiter in Scorpio, so that's for yeah. me, that's fun zone, you know? Totally. And so, uh, the minute I, we sat down, we were already talking about her husband who had died that year and all of what that brought onto her world and to her children's world, like mm -hmm. within five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I go where they want to go and I, I don't push into any area that people don't want to talk about or don't want to be specific about, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, it just depends on, the, on that person and what they need. But I, I like to go into the shadow. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sort of obsessed with shadow work. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that is a real tender place for people, yeah. and that's when I bring out my superpower, my super cancer nurturing um, energy. And I also then can sort of, I can read undercurrents of emotion, like I can read what is the undertow of an emotion. I can just feel it, and so then we start to unpack it and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that is where the really good stuff is. Um, mm -hmm. And I've been surprised how many people are willing to, to go there and, and want to go there because mm -hmm. they are feeling lonely there. You yes. Know? Yes, we all are. I think yeah. that's why astrology is so valuable because it's not the same as going to therapy and having, you know, even if you have a, a Jungian therapist, there is something about the, again, the archetypal symbolic language of astrology that speaks to us on that deeper like almost primal primordial level absolutely rather than archetypes. just yep. yeah working with archetypes um that, that is just an endless pursuit of study I mean, right it's just so i know <laughs> with, uh, and i find great value in that in that process yeah um do you want what i've found really fascinating about evolutionary astrology specifically is the lunar nodes is that something yeah. you'd like to speak about yeah so when you when we say evolutionary astrology there's a lot going on behind that so Please explain <laughs> there it's got a long history um back to the 70s i want to say um it was the the jeffrey wolf green was you know the architect, so to speak, of evolutionary astrology and wrote a lot of books. And, and he's a fascinating person and um, brilliant, brilliant, like totally brilliant. And, mm -hmm. and so he developed techniques on how to enter the chart through evolutionary, uh, an evolutionary lens. And so um, um, he, he says that the soul is Pluto. Uh, oh, and so okay. his stuff is all very Pluto-centric. Um, and, and that, that is actually representing your soul, which I find very fascinating, especially considering how far Pluto is away from mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. and how that might be the point, you know, that, that right. one of the things about this place is that you, you're here and you're aware that you're in a physical form and you, you think you have something else going on like a soul, but it's really out of reach, you know, like totally. Pluto is way out there. So 
I, I get a lot of value out of his work, um, but I don't use his techniques. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I look at astrology through that lens. Uh, the other uh, astrologer that is famous for evolutionary, Stephen Forrest, and he has mm-hmm. a different approach. Um, he goes through the nodes. Um, the, the, you know, the North node and the South node, the South node is where you've been. The North node is where you're going. And so there are particular techniques around, um, pulling out a past life through the nodal story. And so there's all kinds of specific techniques about how that works. And if there's planets squaring the nodes, it's considered a skipped step. That's something that you skipped over in a past life. And now you're here to sort of get that right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it gets very specific, you know, um, and uh, when you have a, an evolutionary reading of this kind, you know, the astrologer actually, you know, suggests this is, you know, you might have been a farmer and, mm-hmm. you know, there was, you were all alone and, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they even bring out like, according to a planet that might be conjunct the South Node, like might be involved in how you died. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried that. Uh, I've, I've had a reading like that and it was phenomenal. I've tried it. I feel very uncomfortable. Um, I feel, I feel uncomfortable going there with clients. Like it's up to them to suggest a past life. I'm okay. not going to plant a seed because yeah. those seeds go deep. I, I mean, mm-hmm. people take that stuff and run with it. And yeah. so I know I would, if they, if it comes to them when we're in the mm-hmm. reading, then we'll look, look at it. But I don't necessarily suggest that. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, I, you know, there's plenty in this life that's real that we can see. Right. You know, and the that, North that, Node is really yeah. where you're where you're headed. And yeah, the North where Node is feel into is awesome because mm-hmm. I think about it all the time. Because um, it, this is me saying what I believe about the North Node is that it's definitely the trajectory. It's sort of the path that you walk. If you walk on that path and that or get in that lane. You're going to get where you're going faster. You're going to evolve faster, so to speak. And so I think of it like the moving sidewalk at the airport. Like you don't have to jump on it. You mm-hmm. can just walk to the gate. But if you jump on that, you're going to go faster. Yeah, um, easier. And, and sometimes people have energy, other planets around the North Node. So that helps because you've got other energy that's already attuned. Um, but if you have nothing, you know, you just have this North Node and like, you know, uh, yeah, that's how mine is. Yeah, you know? it's just and like so, way out there. Yeah, and you're <laughs> nothing like, else. Sagittarius, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, so I would, what I would tell someone is, do you have Sagittarius friends? You know, read about Sagittarius because there's something there for you, mm-hmm. um, and and you get in their lane, you know, um, and they will model that behavior for you. And so I would say the principles to sort of celebrate and and ignite in your life is, you know learning about big things, traveling, um, philosophy, like all those sad things, like don't let the dust settle under your feet. You know, you Mm -hmm. always want to be growing and moving toward this higher minded place. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that, you know, and then that gives them something to sort of, uh, you know, attune to. Um, so for me, you know, I have Aquarius North node and, Mm -hmm. and I get into that radical revolutionary lane. And mm-hmm. I have found that when I do that, when I jump into that lane, whoa, shit happens. Yeah. Like deep shit. <laughs> like not totally. Stuff. You know, I mean, the last, one of the biggest times I did that in 2012 when I was, you know, out there protesting, I ended up getting fired. And so <laughs> that brought me up against myself. And t- I will tell you, I had to evolve faster after that. I had mm-hmm. to. 
-hmm. And so I do tell people that if you're going to get in that North Node lane, be aware, be ready. Yeah. Stuff, stuff's going to start happening for you. And, and yes. it's not going to all be easy because mm -hmm. certain things are going to have to let go of because they aren't serving your evolution, you know, because that's right. what it's about. You know, my job, I was stale. I wasn't moving forward. It wasn't uh -huh. helping me grow. I needed to be out of that job. Yeah. Um, and so you can jump in and you can jump out. <laughs> yep. I've definitely jumped out of the lane mm. and then I go back to my tourist cancer, you know, safety zone. Yeah. Um, until I'm ready for another surge and then I get back in the north node. So that's kind of how I work with it um, Yeah, and how I have my clients work with it. I think that's very true. That's what I found too because in the last – that's why this podcast even exists because I started getting in the cancer lane, which is my north node, which is like on the other side of my chart from all of my planets. It's yeah. just like this Hello. north star. I'm like, cancer, what? I don't understand. But yeah, it's – um. And it's in my 10th house of business and career, like my cosmic office. <laughs> and it's like the sign of the mother and nurturing. And so obviously I'm supposed to be, when I'm nurturing people through my business or I'm nurturing my business, my work, all is well. And yeah, things are just, it, it does. It feels like something, since I started doing that, something is just moving through me and I have to just allow it. And it's pushing me out where I don't want to be, but... Um, but, but you do, it's like rewarding in this whole other energetic level that you didn't know was possible. I feel. Yeah. And it's not for the faint of heart either. No. I mean, getting in the fat, you know, I actually had a, a psychic, um, counselor that I, that I've been seeing and she said that, you know, this is right around that time when things started to move fast and I started to put myself out there. And she said, you're on the fast track. I keep hearing that word, fast track, mm. you know? And so that's what I think of as the North Node. It's the fast track. But, but now I realize I don't, I don't have to be in it every day. I can't. I could not survive that way. But I know that when I need a surge, you know, I know exactly how to get it. And I've tested this. It works. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I feel like, okay, I'm starting to get So that's kind of how I look at I use the evolutionary astrology mindset mm -hmm. of approaching the chart as, you know, a soul. And this is just a human suit that you're wearing with a name. And then we jump in and out of the soul in my readings, I, I will say. So, you know, a certain uh, in a certain energy, you know, like Mars, you know, where it, it's not Mars stays dormant most of the time. And then suddenly Mars jumps in to your body almost and takes over. I kind of think of it as driving a car. When you're driving and suddenly Mars is like pushing you out of, you know, the driver's seat and just taking over. And that's mm. what it feels like. Suddenly you get this rush of adrenaline and your body starts to tingle and then you're doing something without thinking about it. That's yeah. instinct, you know, uh -huh. and that is Mars. That's when Mars takes over. And I feel like that's a very human experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when we're, you know, the personal planets, I feel, are very attached to our human expression yes and then the, as we start to go out we you know especially towards you know even jupiter and saturn we start mm -hmm. to we start to get into soul territory and mm -hmm. then chiron is that bridge they you know the bridge between and that's all about the healing the tending the of, our, of our source spots yeah and then we get to, you know and that gateway takes us you know start working on healing and you will get towards those outer planets and um, it oh, is yeah. truly like a bridge it um, really is yeah but you have to be ready <laughs> mm -hmm. 
It, you're right. It is. It, it is not for the faint of heart, yeah. for sure. Um, so how how would you say astrology can help helps you and your clients understand their own personal sovereignty or how to understand and hold that and gain that? Is that something you'd like to? Yeah, I mean that's really what it's all about. Mm -hmm. You know empowerment you know that's that's my goal um, we are all amazing and fascinating and powerful and strong and strange and mm -hmm. we all have these natural abilities and gifts and tendencies and you know I got on board with this mentality probably during my Saturn return when I when I got out of the last cult I was in um, <laughs> because that's what you don't have in a cult, right? You have no personal sovereignty. Yes. You are told exactly what to wear, how to be, everything. Mm, you know, what, what you, you can are. eat, what mm -hmm. you can't eat, what you can, what movies you can see, what movies you can't see. Like everything is told to you. This is commanded to you. And that's and, attractive on a certain level, and which is why I'm sure you oh, were into me? that because oh, you I don't have easy. to like have the responsibility of cultivating that yourself. I'm just, I'm guessing. Afraid. I don't know. No, I was I was, I was young. I was freaked out by life. I, I, you know, I came out of the womb freaked out and I've been You're freaked sensitive. out and yeah. I'm still freaked out yeah. every day. I'm freaked out. Mm -hmm. And so when you don't know, understand what's going on with you or you don't understand that, I mean, I didn't know what an empath was. And so I walk into this meeting and it, this cult meeting and everybody's happy and like connected and love. And I felt mm -hmm. all that. And so yeah. I'm practically levitating by the end of the meeting. And instead of realizing that I'm just empathing these other folks here, I'm feeling what they're feeling. I was like, no, I must be a part of this. And here's oh, everything. Wow. And I'll give it over to you and take, take over for me, you know? And so I don't have to make these decisions anymore. You get to tell me what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it is sort of this way of being that la for me, it lasted a Saturn cycle. It lasted from my Saturn's square to my Saturn return, mm -hmm. you know, from twenty early twenties to late twenties. And then all of a sudden Saturn return comes and I just woke up because the, the cult was starting to, to be public and preach and legislate against gay mm. marriage. And suddenly it was like, fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just hit this hard line. And I, from one day to the next, then that night I burned all of my stuff that had to do with it. I knew what it would happen. What would happen? I would lose my marriage. I knew that I would lose my marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, I might even lose my kids if I didn't handle it just right. Mm -hmm. um, but when Saturn return comes, I don't know. For me, it's like I hear that voice of integrity and you know an alignment. Mm -hmm. and I'm like I'm just like no. There's no question. It, it wasn't yeah. that hard actually because when I know, I know. Exactly. And, and it was and the same for the, me yeah, for sure. All those things mm -hmm. did happen. I mean, I, I, I got, I got divorced and I, you know, I, I got 50, 50 custody of my kids. So at that point uh -huh. I was going to have them only half of their lives. Yeah. And I had to choose, it was really hard as a cancer to choose mm -hmm. myself over that. So talk about personal sovereignty. Totally. Like, that's really a Saturn thing, you know, and you combine Absolutely. that with empowerment of Pluto and, you know, then you're really like getting into serious water and and so um 
I always, that's why I always review the Saturn return with clients mm -hmm. always. And if they're not that age, then we review whatever Saturn they've had up to that point, right. because that sense of authenticity is what I think that's the secret sauce of life. And, mm -hmm. and uh, there's so much written and said about Saturn and it's all good. But yeah. what I, I keep it very, that's one of my techniques in astrology. I keep it really simple mm -hmm. and I, I don't want to throw too much at people, especially in the, in the first reading, but Saturn, I call the universal chiropractor and it's really <laughs> about alignment. That's really all Saturn's about is alignment. I love that. Yeah. And so <laughs> just, just as if you would go to a chiropractor, depending on how long, you know, you, it's been or what you yeah. do in your life to throw yourself out of whack. Um, they, you know, they put their hands on your neck and they're about to like crank your neck and it's yes. scary, right? It's and scary and it's painful in the moment. Yeah. And what do, and they, tell you? What do they tell you right before they crack you? They say, all right, deep breath and relax and crack, right? Yep. Relax, relax. <laughs> so then you walk out of there and suddenly everything feels where, like it's where it's supposed to be. That's exactly what a Saturn cycle is all about. You know, you, wow. you, you're hobbling along in life. You've been having life. You've been experiencing. And so your alignment, your energy core is out of alignment with your higher self. And so Saturn comes in and says, all right, it's time to be adjusted. And if you resist it, like if you were to resist your chiropractor, what, yeah. would, that, what would that feel like? Right. You right. might even get hurt. Yeah. So you have, you know, you can't resist it. You have to just know this is my, this is my core It's lighting up right now, you mm -hmm. know, and you know, that's a yes. And that's a no. And mm -hmm. just relax, take a breath and do what you know is right. Yeah. And then watch how your life straightens out and watch yeah. how your energy straightens out. And that's, that's the secret of Saturn. And that, that's mm -hmm. how I look at it. And, and we need those adjustments every seven years. <laughs> Yeah, you know? <laughs> so, and, and it's fun to watch people on that journey and how they, you know, there's always a pattern, you know, the, mm -hmm. the first Saturn return, there's always going to be a, some sort of pattern happening a lot of times in, um, especially in the midlife Saturn transit, the, the Saturn opposition, mm -hmm. um, there's an echo effect. Wow. Very cool. Man, it's a lot of good information. I know I talk a lot. <laughs> no, it's great. I'm, I'm glad. Um, it makes it easier for me. <laughs> um, I have Mercury and Leo, so. Oh, that's right. Like You're shining. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect for me. It's perfect. Um, you did want to talk about the importance of Eris, right? Yes. And Eris. I, that's something I know almost nothing about, so I would love, tell me a story, Deb. Yeah. Oh, I love this story. Yeah, Eris is very exciting. Um, I first heard about Aries not as a planet, but as um, as a as a well archetype, um, and as this part of this religion called Discordian Discordianism. Which, if you're bored one day, Google that because you will have a blast. Is that a wiki rabbit hole we need really, to go down? It's wild, weird stuff, and amazing. And um, and Aries is the sort of the deity of discordianism and it all focuses around this concept of chaos and how, how, how 
chaos is a part of our reality mm -hmm. and our and our we are we do everything in our power to put things in straight lines mm -hmm. and rows and but there's this chaos effect yeah and it is part of our experience mm -hmm. and that is part of what Eris brings in and so um, Eris was discovered in 2005 so it's very recent um, and it's amazing how this happened because Eris is a badass bitch yeah he is like there is no you don't mess around with this energy like she will bring it bring you down mm -hmm. if you don't understand how to work with it um, and so at the time when she was discovered she was bigger I'm sorry don't mean to say she it was bigger than uh, Pluto so that's what oh. everybody, all the astronomers were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Pluto is a planet, but here is Eris, a bigger, it's bigger, what do we do about this? We can't, they didn't want to make Eris a planet. Um, oh. They could have just elevated Eris and said, that, you know, here's the planet. Yeah. But they, so they voted, they had this big conference and they voted on, they had three options. One is to elevate Eris to, to a um, planet status. Uh, and two, to leave Pluto as a, as a main planet and call Eris a dwarf planet or to call both Pluto and Eris a dwarf planet. And that's what they chose. Mm -hmm. And that's when, that's when Pluto got demoted. And I love oh. that because Eris brought that fucker down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. That's fine. Um, Eris brought Pluto down. Yeah. Literally. And that's the energy. That is the energy, like energy that can bring Pluto to its knees. Wow. Like that is intense. And we are now getting that energy because now we've seen the planet, mm -hmm. we've acknowledged the planet, we've named the planet, and now we are getting getting that frequency. Oh, that's so now, fascinating. Yeah. Like when we discovered I mean, Uranus, basically, like that was the, wasn't that the enlightenment, the enlightenment and... Uranus, it was the scientific revolution. Thank you, yeah. You know, exactly. and Pluto was the atom bomb. Mm -hmm. So the things that happen reflect in that frequency. And so we are getting a new frequency of right chaos. now. chaos. Wow. You know, as soon as we were, as soon as that planet was named, we are now aware of it. And so now that we see it, mm -hmm. we get that frequency. And we've seen, mm. you know, a lot of wild stuff has happened since 2005. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we also look towards what's going on in the world when it was discovered that's a huge part of how we understand outer planets as astrologers mm -hmm. and so uh the cool things that were happening some cool some horrible that's kind of the, the, that's way the nature of chaos <laughs> um is a, you know fascinating to look at so one one thing that happened that's not cool or great uh, was hurricane katrina and right. what hurricane katrina did was brought out a shadow in our country that mm -hmm. many people were not aware of and, and and the way that the president responded president bush responded or didn't respond mm -hmm. to the folks who were suffering and, and lost everything uh in in the in the hurricane um boy wow did that expose something huge yeah, that we needed like, to know like yeah. really huge mm -hmm. um and the next thing that happened was, this is kind of minor, but it still kind of feeds the energy, is uh, uh, <laughs> Prince Charles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've yeah. Prince, I've got Prince Harry on the brain. <laughs> Prince Charles was finally able to marry Camilla. So mm. this is the other woman. So we're talking about the other. 
with Eris. Right. And so um, the other woman, I mean, this is a big deal. The queen mm -hmm. said it was okay for yeah. him to marry. And this is a, this is, goes against, you know, everything. Tradition, yeah. And that, you know, monarchy. But the coolest thing that happened was in Liberia. Um, and Liberia is a country in Africa that was actually founded by returned uh, enslaved people. So they returned to Africa and started a, a country there. And so it, it's, if you think of Liberia and liberation, you kind of see where that, wow. that's the origins. It's the origins of this country. And so they were having, in 2005, a presidential um, race. And it came down to an athlete. So, you know, a really, you know, famous athlete who's, you know, really popular, really, you know, um, everybody knew his name. And this woman who had been working in government pretty much for her entire life, like mm -hmm. working her way through government in, in different capacities. Mm -hmm. And um, the women in Liberia, like, lost their minds. They were like, we've got to, we've got to elect her. Because at the time, I think it was like maybe eight in 10 women had been raped in that position. Wow. So yeah. when you talk about chaos, like this mm -hmm. is a dangerous, dangerous place to be a woman, like mm -hmm. dangerous. And, and so the women thought this is our shot. This is our chance to like start to really shift things here. And so it was getting really close between them and they started a campaign and they started going out to the villages and watching each other's children so that they could go to the villages and talk about this candidate and promote this candidate. And so it came to a, um, it came to an, and a runoff between the two of them. And so women, the men, a lot of the men in the country didn't realize that there was going to be another election. They thought it was over because they weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah. and the women were paying attention and found out, oh my gosh, we've got to stop these men from voting in, in the runoff. So they uh -huh. were literally stealing their husbands and their sons' voting cards. And, <laughs> and, and they would sit in front of the bars and they would say, here, I'll buy your voting card. You don't need it anymore. So here's money <laughs> for you to go into the bar and, and buy beer. Oh, and my so God. They were crafty. They were tricky. And That's they won. So cool. mm -hmm. And so that. That, that is, is definitely yeah. some feminine, chaotic power, like oh creative power. It's, so classic because the the myth of Ares is you know that they were having a big party on Mount Olympus there was a big wedding everybody was going and Ares was left off the guest list because Ares was um, another she mm -hmm. was another and she's an outlier around. yeah she mm -hmm. was another yeah I mean she might have had a somewhat cranky attitude but yeah but still she wasn't liked and so she was left left out. And mm -hmm. so she goes to the wedding anyway, and she gets this beautiful, giant, golden apple that has inscribed on it, to the fairest. Um, and then the word was Kaliski. Mm -hmm. And she throws the apple into the middle of the wedding, and all of the goddesses scramble to get it, because they all feel like they're the prettiest. Yeah. Yeah. And so it comes down to this competition, and they have to vote, and the, all, the, all the goddesses are like, you know, parading themselves and saying, you know, like a beauty contest. And so Zeus leads it up to a human to decide who wins. Um, and, and one of the things he was tempted with was like all knowledge. One was, um, I think the goddess of the hunt. So like, you know, as much as you want to get from hunting, 
And yeah. then the third one was the most beautiful woman in the world. And of course, what did it take? Yeah. <laughs> of course, it <laughs> the most beautiful woman in the world. And that was Helen of Troy. And so mm. the idea is that this whole event, this heiress moment, caused the, the Trojan War. So, oh. so it really comes down to the other for me. Like, there's a lot about Eris, but that's the biggie. Um, and, and because now we're starting to see the other in a mm -hmm. way that we haven't before. We are and we're starting to see that discord and well, what, yeah. that, that, what that chaos does. But, I mean, in, in hermetic tradition and alchemical tradition, um, the chaos is, you know, the feminine, dark, creative principle. Right. I mean, that's essentially what a womb is, if yes. you look at it in a literal point of view. Um, so that's really fat. So in a way, I mean, this is just coming to me, I guess we are kind of returning to the divine feminine through chaos, through we the are. chaos that we see around us. Yeah, I really and learn feel to like work with. energy has to match energy in order for it to transform it. Totally. And so Eris has to come to be willing to play on the level of darkness as Pluto is. Mm -hmm. As the atom bomb. I mean, Pluto, mm -hmm. Eris has to be meet meet that energy level in order to transform it wow. into something more evolved that we can all evolve with, right? So Eris comes onto the scene. I mean, everything about Eris, the story of how it was discovered, the myth, like all of this, this mm -hmm. paint, this luscious picture of I this energy this. that is now a part of our collective. And so I started putting it on charts. And so I don't always talk about Eris, but if it makes a major point, there's a generation of people who were born, um, they are all in their early 40s, like around 40 years old right now. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of readings for people that age. And Eris is just at a point in those charts to create a kite. Without Eris, it's the point mm -hmm. of the kite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Without Eris, there is no kite. Wow. So the minute I put Eris on the chart, the aspect lines appeared, and suddenly there's a kite that was There's a there. story that makes sense. I mean, if you explain what a kite kind oh, of sorry. is. It's an, it's an aspect. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's an aspect that forms, um, essentially uh, brings the energies of four uh, planets together in and order it looks to like kind a of. Kite. Yeah. Yeah. When the, when the aspect lines appear between the planets on a chart, it's, it looks, it's no doubt, it's a kite, mm -hmm. it's exactly like a kite. Um, and it's com comprised of, let's see, trines and sextiles, and mm -hmm. then, but, but the biggie is the opposition in the middle. Right. Because the opposition goes all the way through the middle of the kite. That's the rod in a kite. Mm -hmm. And so Eris forms that bottom point of the kite. And guess what the top point is? Pluto. <laughs> right. <laughs> so these folks... Wow, I could wow. not believe how that chart changed suddenly when wow. I put Eris. So I, I now always have Eris on a chart default, you know, in my charts. Because yeah, that's exciting. Now I want to look mine up. All this <laughs> delicious stuff to work with, and boy, when I start talking about Eris, people get really intrigued and excited. Um, yeah, and I am for sure. It's an energy that we're still understanding. So. I don't claim to know exactly everything in the way it's going to manifest mm -hmm. in someone's life, but we can explore that together, and that's right. exciting. Right. So what would you say, just to kind of wrap up the heiress talk, like, 
um, how would how do you explain to a client like the position of Eris and what that mean, what sign Eris is in and the position and what that sort of means to them on yeah. a psychological level, like the rest of the planets? You know? Well, for all of us, um, Eris is in Aries. Eris okay. has a huge wide elliptical. I was so, going to say it's more than Pluto, or no, it would be a little bit less. Oh, I think orbit? it's like 560 years or something. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's Damn. huge. And so for all of us living, we all have Eris in Aries. So um, it comes down to the aspects it's making in your chart yeah. and what house it's in. Eris will move into Taurus in the 2040s. Okay. So all of us, you know, we're all working with that energy um, okay. in, in Aries. Yeah. So I do. I look at the house <clears> and I look at the aspects for sure um, to sort of invite that conversation. I don't know exactly how it's manifesting. I'm an, I am a sign. I think of myself as a, right. a science pseudo scientist, you know, exactly. I'm you're not there to tell people something. You're there to kind of co-create and figure it out together. Yeah. And you yeah. get, it's fun like that too. It is. People are like, we're like, let's unpack this, you know, and mm -hmm. let's keep seeing each other so that we can watch how that yeah. energy is working and moving in your life experience. Because they're, um, then they're part of the investigation instead of, you know, this hierarchical, like, you know, like yes. a psychologist would be like, I'm going to help you and you're my patient. And yes, I can't yeah, it's not stand like that. At all. Like, <laughs> I cannot stand power over. Definitely it. like I'm a cosmic to, collaboration. I to abolish that. Like that's my life's work. Yeah. Abolishing hierarchies. Um, yeah. That's my North Node in Aquarius. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, but a lot of times um, we'll look for the chaotic moments and how mm -hmm. they, and one in particular way is how do you respond to chaos? You know, mm -hmm. when you're in a chaotic moment, who do you become? Because just like Mars, when Mars takes over the wheel, right? That's who you become when you're in Mars energy. So air is, you know, that's the way to look at it. How do you respond to chaos? How do you respond to whether or not you're an other or you're not an other, but you see the other? Hmm. How do you respond? Hmm. And, and how do you advocate for your own otherness as well? Because advocating for your otherness is empowerment. And, and gotcha. it is, like you said, um, autonomy, sovereignty. You know, because mm -hmm. those are the ways that we become victimized by other folks is right. when they, we are different and they don't, aren't people are, I don't still don't understand what, why human beings are not comfortable with things that are different or people that are different. That's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. And yeah. I think that we're seeing the marginalized communities powering up right now. It's happening. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's amazing and exciting it and, is. and it's up to all of us as, as responsible, caring humans to see that and to take and to sit down yeah. <laughs> when, when you're in a room and you are, you are not the other, then mm -hmm. let the other people speak. Yeah. Don't be the one raising your hand and taking over the conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. So whether you are male in a room with a lot of females, but not all, you know, predominantly male, you want to, you want to let the women have their moment mm -hmm. and just keep your mouth shut. Just sit in your mm -hmm. chair and see, cut, shut your mouth. That's yeah, what I just love for a minute. Sometimes. Just sit down. <laughs> We've heard enough from you, right? But yeah. just like that, you take your, your place of privilege. So mine, as a white woman, if I'm in a room with people of less privilege than me, then I take a back seat. And that's mm -hmm. how we empower folks who have mm -hmm. never had a voice to speak up. That's how we have to do it. We, right. as 
you know, primarily the white folks who have colonized and and taken everything away from others. That's all we do. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's for us to recognize that this is where we start to shut up and mm -hmm. listen and get out of the way. Right. Uh, imagine, you know, what I think of is what is the potential of that voice that we haven't been hearing, that we haven't allowed to keep been hearing yet. What mm -hmm. is there? You know, there's it's, yeah. it's going to advance our civilization if we for let for the good of all, for, for the, the good, good of, of everyone. Because that vantage <laughs> point, standing in the shoes of someone who's been marginalized their whole life, perhaps in in intersecting ways. You know, mm -hmm. it, oh, maybe you're a trans woman of color. Mm -hmm. You know, those are intersections of being trans and also being a woman and also being of color. Like those, all of those ways amplify the otherness. But boy, yeah. I want to hear what that person has to say about life. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's an exciting, exciting time to be alive. I'm really grateful for it all the time, regardless of the chaos. And it's just going to, you know, chaos again. I mean, just to kind of end on this, we can... Um, hit on Uranus and Taurus a little bit because that is some yeah. chaos, baby. <laughs> well, that's what's cool. I mean, we've been talking for years about the, the Pluto-Uranus squares. There were seven mm -hmm. squares, you know, starting in 2011, I think until 2016, I think, mm -hmm. um, maybe 15. And we were all excited about these squares and all the astrologers were just in a buzz over it. But mm -hmm. nobody realized that Eris and Uranus were conjunct. So, oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So there was something else going on besides just Uranus and Pluto. So Uranus wow. has moved on now, but Pluto is still holding at 23 mm -hmm. Aries. So Pluto and, and Aries are still squaring, but Uranus has moved on um, yeah. into Taurus. And so what can we expect? Like, look at Hawaii right now. Yeah, I mean, the literal interpretation <laughs> is earthquakes and volcanoes yes. and literally the Earth shaking I kind of had this epiphany the other day because you you know I listened to a lot of like channeled material about ascension and the new earth and everything and in a way because Uranus is going to be in Taurus for the next seven years and it could literally be translated as Uranus new Taurus earth like yes. new oh, yeah. earth <laughs> like literally so I just <clears throat> I, yeah I'm really excited about how it's going to shake up our value system, what we value, our monetary system, our financial system, all of these, what we thought were very static and concrete institutions that would never go away, guess what? That's what Uranus yep. does. He's going to demolish, I feel, is going to demolish and shake up and reform them. I've been calling it like the Great Reformation. I, like I feel that. like yeah. that's what he's going to be doing. Yeah, I think that what we'll see is beyond just the earth things, like, you know, Hawaii is, you know, cracking open the earth right, right now, literally. Um, I think that, you know, cryptocurrencies is a way mm -hmm. that you know, we might, we're starting to see the financial system being transformed or broken up, basically, and something new put in its place, which mm -hmm. is what Uranus does, is bring something new to the table. Um, and, but I'm also thinking that along with the scary stuff that we're going to see advances in science, like we've never seen before. I know. I, I feel like the like... could actually save our planet. 
Yeah. And, and that's what I'm really hoping for is that that spark of brilliance and genius that Uranus brings, mm -hmm. it, that is going to be so practical because of Taurus. It's going to be so physical because literal, of Taurus, yeah. literal, that mm -hmm. we, maybe the, the brilliant minds out there are going to save our planet and help us learn how to yeah. save our planet. That's Ooh. what I hope. That's the best case scenario. I like, love that. The worst case scenario, because I love the shadow. I also think about it as being like a, like a ripening, getting the, getting us the earth ready for 2020 mm -hmm. <laughs> when the right. proverbial shit hits the fan and Saturn right. is up to Pluto. And I feel like this Uranus Taurus thing is playing a role there. And we don't Absolutely. know. We don't know Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I got my popcorn out because it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be exciting. And, you know, this, I always say this in joke that it'll be, you know, some sort of apocalypse and I'm all excited. I am I'm like really yeah. excited about it. Um, and well, cause I that means an end of the old that hasn't been yeah. working for most people. So and yeah, of course we're excited. The first day <clears throat> that I don't have hot water. I know. If I have to use a compost toilet, like what I'm out. Like, <laughs> When they watch The Walking Dead, I'm like, I'm out in the first round. Right. I tell my husband, I'm like, throw me as bait. Like, get me yeah. out. I'm done. I don't want anything to do with that, with that world. And, uh, and so, yeah, there's a little and bit And that's of the worst that. case scenario. Yeah. Which I don't see zombies, but I could definitely see the infrastructure breaking down. Mm -hmm. and, and so, like, in Portland, we are, already have huge holes in our streets that nobody cares about. You know, just yeah. things like that. We might see the electrical grid take some sort of hit, which... It's terrifying. It's yeah. Don't even start to think about that because that right. is a really dark right. rabbit hole. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that that we become so dependent on. Um, and it's good see. to be. It's good to prepare our minds for any eventuality or any anything that could possibly happen. It's just good to. I don't think it's best to entertain all of the worst case scenarios and live in fear. Absolutely not. Right. But it's, it's good to. Um, just be aware that these transits are affecting us on a very literal physical level. And I'm talking about Saturn moving through Capricorn and Saturn-Pluto um, conjunction in 2020. That's definitely um, tearing down and rebuilding physical structure that we that we know, physical institutions. So Yeah, thank goodness um, Saturn's going to zoom right into Aquarius after that. Then we might right? actually bring bring the, that might be the really good stuff coming yeah through. yeah that's what i'm excited about for sure oh my gosh deb so this has been super fun and action-packed <laughs> thank you um so tell people where they can find you we gotta do this again because there's so much to talk about but i know i could literally sit here for eight hours for stuff. <laughs> i know <laughs> that's why i was like you're going on the podcast <laughs> But um, if people are curious about getting a reading with you, how can they find out about you? Yeah, so I have a website called DebraNorton.com. That's Debra, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, N-O-R-T-O-N.com. Um, I just launched my new website. I'm really excited about it. Um, there's it ways great, to book right on the mm -hmm. website. Um, and I really, you know, am excited about you know, this new wave of energy that's coming in and how that's even transformed my, my astrology business and everything going forward. So yeah, I, if you, if you want to get a reading, then that's where you go. Let's do I'm it. Not cool. great at self -promotion. <laughs> None of us are, but I get that, was, nervous. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> All right, Deborah. Well, 
take care down in Portland and hang on to your hat for the wild ride as the rest of us are. And until next time. Right on. Awesome. See Thanks, ya. Krista. Thank you. That was a super fun and in-depth look at some of the astrological transits coming up and the potential for you to uncover your own superpowers to ride this wave into the unknown. To get your own reading from Deborah, go to debranorton.com and book a session with her right from the website. Thanks again for tuning into this transmission and until next time, take care out there.